I would like to uh, open this presentation with two short Zen stories and a quote from the Bible. The first Zen story falls into the domain of cognitive psychology. The second into the domain of behavioral psychology. And the third into the domain of existential uh, psychology. Now, you're probably familiar with these Zen stories, but you'll have to bear with me because they are helpful in uh, understanding the rest of the presentation. One of these Zen stories says, before I took up the study of Zen, mountains were mountains and rivers were rivers. After I was deeply involved with the study of Zen, mountains were not mountains anymore and rivers were not rivers anymore. But after I became enlightened, mountains were mountains again, <laughs> and rivers were rivers. Now the second Zen story speaks about a very poor, downtrodden, and burdened Chinese laundryman who was known in the community as always carrying a heavy load of laundry on his back, all bent over. Everybody felt sorry for him. But nobody knew that he was a sincere student of Zen with a local master. One day, this Chinese laundryman came to his master and said, Master, I have become enlightened. And the master said, oh, well, we'll find that out. I will ask you two questions. And if you can answer them correctly, I will know whether it is true. So tell me, what is the meaning of them? Whereupon this Chinese laundryman picked up his bag of laundry and threw it on the floor and straightened himself up as a dignified man. And Zen Master said, well, that's good. But now tell me, what is the meaning of enlightenment? Whereupon the laundryman picked up his bag, threw it over his shoulder and walked out. Now, so, the third, the third quotation is from the Bible. And this is a, is a well-known quotation where Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest to your soul, 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The question may be asked, what has Jesus in common with Zen masters? Is there some common ground where Christianity and Buddhism meet? And what relevancy does all this have to practical, secular psychotherapy? What therapeutic benefits can we glean from the preceding three examples? Clearly, the teachings of Jesus, when understood existentially, have a common ground with Buddhism in that they help us to see life differently. They alter our mode of being in the world by awakening our faculties of spiritual discernment. Furthermore, they demonstrate that cognition, behavior, and the quality of experiencing are largely determined by the values we hold, whether consciously or unconsciously. What are faculties of spiritual discernment? Spiritual discernment enables us to see and to express spiritual values and spiritual quality. At this point, one is often asked to define what is meant by values, qualities, and what the word spiritual means. Simply stated, value is that what we value. Whatever we cherish, whatever we hate, whatever we fear, represents value to us. Qualities are values manifested as aspects of our character. For instance, in the above quote, there are two qualities mentioned which can radically change our work habits and life experiences. If we come to appreciate meekness and humility, which are spiritual qualities, these will save us from experiencing life and work as burdensome and tiresome. How is this possible? Simply because spiritual values lift us out of self-confirmatory ideation. Self-confirmatory ideation underlies all drudgery, hardships, and complexities of functioning. Consider the bureaucrat who unwittingly complicates the simplest task in order to magnify the importance of his position on the job. Now, what do we mean by the word spiritual? This word is easy to talk about, but not easy to explain. Even Jesus seemed to have had some difficulty explaining it to Nicodemus, who apparently was somewhat incredulous. Jesus tried to use an analogy. He said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, 
and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And he didn't mean that man must be a windbag. <laughs> we do not know whether Nicodemus understood this or not. In metapsychiatry, we define spirit as non-material substance. The process of understanding spiritual existence, or enlightenment for that matter, could be compared to climbing out of a valley. In the valley, things appear to be plain, just as they seem to be. It all makes sense. If we begin climbing out of the valley, up the mountainside, things begin to appear in a different light. With every step upward, new vistas are opening up, and things reveal themselves as not at all what we thought them to be while in the valley. We are gaining a different perspective, and we are able to encompass things in a broader scale. It is interesting to consider that medical science has traditionally moved from the wider context to the narrower. The microscope has helped to narrow down the focus on reality to ever smaller areas. Similarly, psychiatry tried to move from the wider to the narrower perspective, exploring ever smaller details of the brain and hoping to find answers by learning about microscopic elements. Research has moved from anatomical structures to histological structures, to molecular structures, to chemical, and finally to electrophysiological processes in the brain. Scientific studies of matter move from the macroscopic to the microscopic and beyond the microscopic into atomic and subatomic configurations. Research, including physics, has a tendency to move from larger to smaller, from wider to narrower perspective. Physicists tell us of an area where matter disappears into waves, and the substance of these waves is believed to be pure energy. But what energy is, is not clear. These waves supposedly behave in a peculiar way. <clears throat> they seem to be unpredictable and subject to influences coming from the observer so that the observed is affected by the observer. A further fascinating aspect of these waves is that they can intermittently appear as particles, meaning materially substantial, or as waves, meaning materially insubstantial. Thus, matter disappears into a mysterious something called energy. There's an anecdote about the definition of a specialist. You may have heard of this. A specialist is someone who learns more and more about less and less, till finally he comes to know everything about nothing. 
So then, psychology, medicine, physics, by moving from the larger to the smaller, are like the proverbial Cheshire cat, which was gradually disappearing until there was nothing left but a smile. Metapsychiatry, that is metaphysical psychiatry, does not spurn research into ever smaller elements of matter. It is, however, moving in the opposite direction, namely from the smaller to the larger, from the narrower to the wider horizon, from the finite to the infinite, out of the valley up the mountain to limitless vistas at the summit. The aim here is ascension. In ascending into ever wider perspectives, the hope is of attaining a viewpoint of infinity. We wish to see life subspecie eternitatis. We seek to behold reality in the context of cosmic mind. No matter what psychotherapeutic school we may be studying, we are all studying the same phenomena, except from different levels of perception. When we have descended into the narrower spheres, as we mentioned before, matter disappears into a mysterious, undefinable something called energy. When we move up the mountain to ever higher perspectives, the same thing happens. Matter disappears into an undefinable substance called spirit, God, mind, love intelligence. At the end, we come to the same place. If we observe the students of matter, we find that those who have advanced the furthest in their understanding of physics have become philosophers. Schrodinger, Heisenberg, Einstein, von Braun, and others. Their philosophy has the character of metaphysics. They have moved from physics to metaphysics just as we are moving from psychiatry to metapsychiatry. In whichever direction we move, when we come to the end of the journey, we all meet. We meet in spiritual reality where things become very clear in their own particular way. For those of us who are still in the process of the journey, it is of great value to know that the higher we rise on the upward path, the healthier we become, and life is becoming less and less problematic. In contrast to that, the narrower the outlook on reality, the more troubled life seems to be. How is that possible? In metapsychiatry, we have succeeded in identifying five areas of narrow-mindedness which constitute an endless source of suffering. They are as follows. Sensualism, emotionalism, intellectualism, personism, and materialism. All these factors 
are characteristic of life in the valley. But as we rise out of the valley, higher and higher, we begin to see man not in parts, but as a totality, an integrated whole, a functioning manifestation of love intelligence. When we are in love and in intelligence, in the valley people think that love is an emotion and that intelligence is intellectual. But as we rise out of the valley, we see that love and intelligence are something else. They are not intrapsychic processes. They are not in man. Man is in them. Love and intelligence do not come from inside us. We live and move and have our being in love, in love intelligence, somewhat like fish in the sea. We do not produce intelligence. Intelligence and love govern us. We begin to see ourselves in a broader context, and that is of vital importance. Psychoanalysis, moving from the wider to the narrower, has focused attention on intrapsychic processes and is seeking to understand man by penetrating, so to speak, into him. The more we study what is inside, the more we find that there is nothing there. <laughs> In the meanwhile, we discover psychodynamics, parental relationships, introjection, primal seal problems, defense mechanisms of the ego, and all sorts of other things not unlike the atomic physicists who find electrons and protons and neutrons and mesons and quarks and seemingly endless other things until they come to the end and discover that there is really nothing but energy. Real energy is found on the top of the mountain to be spirit. As we mentioned before, so, as we move out of the inwardness of things into beholding the context in which life manifests itself, we begin to see ourselves in a different light. Perception depends on context. The Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. God is the context in which life is occurring. Therefore, in order to understand life in all things in life and all things in the universe, it is necessary to view things in the context of cosmic mind, infinite love intelligence. Here the universe reveals itself as perfectly harmonious, and all things within it as beautiful, good, and meaningful there comes upon us an awareness of peace, assurance, gratitude, and love, and problems vanish. Each individual becomes a beneficial presence in the world. Without doing anything, by the mere fact of his perspective on reality, his presence becomes 
a focal point of harmony and healing in the world. And that is the Christ consciousness. In this perspective, all psychotherapeutic schools lose their significance, and they are seen as just transitory phases of the human struggle for understanding. It is helpful to know that no matter what we are involved with in the valley, it is just a transitory phase in our journey, and it will disappear as we rise higher on the ascending path. It is also interesting to consider that when Jesus ascended, his physical body dissolved. In other words, matter became spirit, just as the subatomic particles disappear into waves, and then waves turn into energy. So in ascension, the substance of matter disappears, it dematerializes. We can rightfully think in terms of incarnation progressing to excarnation. Concerning Jesus' appearance on the scene of history, the Bible says, spiritus caro factus es, which means spirit became flesh, matter. And when he ascended, matter disappeared into spirit. We could take this as an indication of scientific progress. Science is already reaching the point of understanding the process of transubstantiation of matter. Physical science is reaching the point by narrowing perspective to its ultimate point. Metapsychiatry seeks to reach that point through broadening the perspective into infinity. The brain physiologist Karl Pribram, who was mentioned here twice already today, and the theoretical physicist David Bohm described the brain as a hologram which interprets the universe as holographic. They explain that a hologram is a network of interference patterns which represent the interaction of energy frequencies, such as light waves. Priebram and Bohm speak of matter as consisting of subatomic particles emerging from wave patterns of different frequencies. They say that the nature of the universe is more like a hologram, or a realm of frequencies and potentialities underlying an illusion of concreteness. It is not easy to follow the mathematical reasoning of these brilliant scientists, but one thing seems clear, namely, they are seeking answers to the question, is matter material? And if not, what is its substance, and how can we account for what our senses tell us and what the instruments tell us about reality. At the New York Institute of Metapsychiatry, we have been wrestling with these issues on an existential level. And in the process, it dawned on us that there exists in human experience an evolutionary hierarchy of values, which, when carefully studied, 
can lead us to a clearer understanding of spiritual reality, and these values have significant therapeutic implications by virtue of their impact on human consciousness. Looking at values from an evolutionary standpoint, we can distinguish six categories of values. On the lowest level of development, we notice natural values. These values are prevalent in nature and in the animal kingdom. They essentially revolve around the Darwinian theme of survival of the fittest. On the second level, we find hedonistic values. These could be characterized by the statement, whatever makes me feel good is good, and it is right. Not long ago, there was a weekly television program where the star of the show closed her performance every week with the following statement. Remember, folks, if you feel like doing it, do it. Forty million people were being educated by this lady <laughs> every week to believe in the validity of hedonistic values. On the third level, we find materialistic values. Here, the important issue is having. Having things, having money, having a good mind, having knowledge, having prestige, having qualifications, having friends, having fame, etc. On the fourth level, we find humanistic values. These can also be spoken of as psychosocial and sociopolitical values. They are characterized by the thought, whatever makes me popular, well-liked, influential, is good. Here we have an example of the famous best-selling book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. On the fifth level are religious values. These could be expressed by the thought, whatever brings me closer to God and my fellow man is good. Moral behavior is good. The Ten Commandments are good. Obedience is important. Believing is important, etc. On the sixth level, we come to spiritual values. Here, the underlying concern is to become more and more enlightened, to come into harmony with the fundamental order of existence, to be a beneficial presence in the world. We speak of spiritual values as existential because they cannot be willed, mastered, or performed. They cannot be done, invented, or pretended. They are qualities of being emerging in consciousness whenever sufficient attention has led to the realization of their absolute reality. We say, spiritual values come to us through grace and receptivity. Of course, just as philogenesis is found in ontogenesis, so all these values can be found in more or less rudimentary form in all of us.
is not as important as the quality of his consciousness, which is engaged in his work. Looking at it from the outside, it would seem he's a, a very busy operator. But actually, it is the quality of his consciousness which does the work. Yes? Yeah. Enlightenment that he has, you know, hearing the voices, speaking in tongues, is that an unusual experience? Or do many people receive that kind of enlightenment? Well, you know, uh, <coughs> in the literature and in the lore of uh, enlightenment thinking, there is a great deal of wishful thinking that it could come along on your just like that. <laughs> and you wouldn't have to go through the preliminary struggle to reach that point of receptivity when it can happen, you see. And the Bible speaks, we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. This is not just something. Before you can twinkle, you have to put in a gravy. <laughs> a great deal of searching, right. Yes, and then, Dr. Jamposki told you the whole, his whole life story. It was a continuous struggle. Yes, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yes? We are, we are like Yes, the, uh, the self cannot do anything. Right. Yeah, but uh, consciousness can turn its attention to a higher power, which is love intelligence. And uh, I was just talking today with some of our friends that we are receiving reports that certain individuals when they are troubled, they open one of those books, the, the Dialogues on Metapsychiatry at random, and invariably they find an answer to their problem, and they, they are resolved. But there are others who never find the answers to their problem. What's the mystery here? You know, this, this practice has been done with the Bible for many, many, for ages. People would turn to the Bible and some people would find the answer to their problems and get healed and others would not. There is a, a, a story, a very funny story, somebody who, who saw that other people can solve their problems by opening the Bible so he decided he will do it too. And he opens the Bible and reads, and Judas hung himself. <laughs> and he quickly closed the Bible and said, this couldn't be a message for at all for me. This, 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 now, I am not going to consider this. And so he opened the Bible again and reads, and Judas likewise. <laughs> so, 
Well, there is a mystery. Some people get help from it and some people don't. What is a mystery? Is God playing favorites? What do you think? Is there anybody who can solve this problem? Yes? Very good. If you are a sincere seeker and humble towards God, you'll, you, you, the answer will come to you. And you will be healed of whatever troubles you at that moment. But if you are just a curiosity seeker or a gambler or an, a know-it-all or uh, something so it's not sincere in his attitudes towards God, he will not get the answer. Yes? That's the same way of saying that our experience kind of looks up for us Our exp our experience lives up to our experience. Yes, we have a, a principle in metapsychiatry which says nothing comes into experience uninvited. So it's very important to learn to find that mode of being in the world which is in harmony with the fundamental order of existence. Then progress can be made and answers can be found and healings take place. We have six more minutes. <laughs> it would seem that way, yes. Right. Right. Yes, so the danger is of getting stuck. <laughs> and then the progress stops, you see. And that's why we, we, we speak of spiritual, of being on the spiritual path, not on a trip, on the path. <laughs> a trip is short term. <laughs> no, on the spiritual path where we are continuously making progress and becoming aware of the particular value system which underlies all our difficulties in life. Uh, we will talk about tomorrow about modes of being in the world. You see, in metapsychiatry, we don't treat people. We don't treat illnesses. We treat modes of being in the world, which are determined by the prevailing value systems 
which we cherish or hate or fear. Well, I think that was enough for today. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kusher. Thank you.